Good morning, guys. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. Let me do a couple things today before we jump in. Again, I think I've done this uh, three times already, maybe twice already. I want to encourage you, get a Bible plan. Read through the Bible every year. It takes me about 30 to 40 minutes each morning to read through. The, the plan I'm going through this year is... Um, Five days out of the week, you read through an Old Testament passage, usually a psalm, uh, three out of the five days, and a passage out of the New Testament. So uh, this week, I've been reading through Judges, um, three three days, had psalms, and then I finished up Luke and started the book of Acts. It's 30 to 40 minutes, but it sets the pace for me every single day. Um, it also... Whatever I'm reading through, somehow the Lord finds a way to work it into my life that day. Um, I will I will share it with someone. It will it will have a special significance in my life that day. So um, it's not a lot, but what it does for you to every year get the whole Bible to get a big picture look at the Bible to see how the pieces fit in. If you do a chronological, if you just read, you know, through three, four chapters a day, if you do a plan like this, what I love about this one is there's two grace days. So if I've got to deal with my kids on something or if work gets crazy, um, I've got two grace days every week. Or what I love is it gives me Sundays off to really focus on whatever my church is walking through. Now, let me encourage you to do that. The second thing I want to point out and Maybe you picked up on this, but I have been recommending a book uh, every single day. Um, I'm reading through a book right now called Amusing Ourselves to Death, and it is scary because this book was written in 1985, um, so the internet wasn't around, cell phones weren't around, really personal computers like we have them didn't exist then. Um, it is scary how television, the internet, uh, mobile devices have changed the way we get information, process information, even communicate with one another. There's a lot to be thankful for. Things like this exist that didn't exist. Can you imagine going through um, something like this, a global pandemic like this, without Zoom and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of these great graces that we have right now? Um, it's given us the ability to do what we did last weekend, which was to worship Easter um, through uh, social media and websites. So there's a lot to be thankful for, but one of the things that's alarming to me is the rate at which people are no longer reading, just in general. Um, I was reading something recently, and the author said that the average person can read about 400 words per minute. And he said, if we read for an hour a day, that we could read something like 400 books, 475 books in a year, which is mind-blowing. Now, I'm not the average person. I don't read, uh, I probably read 200 words a minute, maybe less depending on what I'm reading. Um, you you could be reading 100 books in a year. You, maybe, maybe start small. Uh, this is how my dad, when I was little, used to pay me $5 to read books. Um, so uh, I was bribed early on to love reading. Uh, maybe set a goal. I'm going to read a chapter a day or I'm going to read a book a month. And, and kind of plot that out, um, set a goal for yourself. 
it is incredible how reading um, is self-education and what God will do in your heart and your life if you're reading good things. And I've been trying to put good resources in front of you, books that I've read recently or books that mean an awful lot to me. And we've got two today that I'm going to mention to you as we go through this. So that's enough uh, uh, set up. I just want to encourage you, read your Bible, read good books, grow, be a student of the Lord, be a student of the Word. We are walking through the book of Joshua. We've been going four chapters at a time. Today we're in 17, 18, 19, and 20. And so here's kind of um, a little bit of background to catch you up if you're jumping in with us. The first half of Joshua is all about Israel taking the land. The second half really focuses on um, the land being divided up, them getting their inheritance, which is what I want to talk about today. It's what kind of jumps off the pages at me as I read through this devotionally, how God provides for his people, just the graciousness, the goodness of God to provide for us. He is providing a land, a place for them. So chapter 17, we see Manasseh gets their inheritance. And we looked at um, how they failed to clear the land out in in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 17 yesterday, but God provided them that land. And, And then you turn and you look at chapter 18 and you see how they are going to distribute the land to Benjamin. And Joshua kind of confronts them uh, early on in chapter 18 as they're all assembled. And he says, um, how long are you going to delay in going out to take possession of the land that the Lord your God, uh, the God of your fathers gave you? So what's happening here is it's not that they're not dividing it up. It's that they have to go out and they have to um, map it out. Here's what the land looks like. Um, Kind of sketch it all out. And then what they're trying to do is match land with the size of the tribes. Um, So if you've read through your Bible in the year, usually people check out around Leviticus or Numbers. Leviticus because it's so repetitive about all the sacrifices. Numbers because they keep counting the people. It starts with counting the people. It ends with counting the people. But this is why they do that. They're counting the people because they're going to get a portion of the land. And so what he's doing is he wants to make sure that the land fits the size of the people. So they have not measured the land. He's sending them out to go and measure the land so they can make sure it fits. And then they give the territory to Benjamin. And then you get to chapter 19, and it's like uh, rapid fire around um, seven tribes, Simeon, Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, Dan. Uh, they all get their land. God provides land for them. And then chapter 19 ends with Joshua even getting his own little piece of the land. It's, it's, it's pretty encouraging what God does. And then you look at verse 51, it says, these were the portions that the priest Eleazar, Joshua son of Nun, and the family heads distributed to the Israelite tribes by lot at Shiloh in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Catch this, underline this in your Bible. So they finished dividing up the land. That is such an important um, verse part of a verse in the Bible at this point, it shows us the faithfulness of God, that he gave them the land, they divided up the land, they had a home. Here's the point, guys. God provides for his people. He has provided them with this land. Um, it is it is such a huge portion. And let me let me go back because I think we skipped over something a few chapters back that, that hits this home even more. If you'll flip back with me to chapter five, in chapter five in verse twelve it says, And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. 
Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. We just skipped over that, largely because uh, I could spend hours on this, but I want to give it to you in 20-minute segments, if at all possible. Um, we skipped over how God had been provided for them. God provided manna all the way up till they got from the land. Part of the land is that it would feed them. It, it would provide for them so that they could focus on worshiping God. And isn't that a great principle for us to take? Maybe my focus should be less on what I earn, what I make, what I have, and more on worshiping God, and God will provide those things that we need. Isn't that really the message that Jesus gives? Consider the ravens, how they neither reap nor sow, but your heavenly Father provides for them. Consider the lilies. Like there are so many things um, in the scriptures that would point us to if we focus on God and we focus on worship, God is going to provide the rest of these things for us that we need. And what an encouragement to us today. Let me, let me just take a moment as we're thinking about this, how God provides for his people. And let's take a quick lesson. God called Abraham and Sarah. And I want you to keep in mind as we go through this a few things. Sarah was barren. Uh, we read in Genesis 11.30 that she could not have children. And that's always something you want to note. There are certain things I note in my Bible, and that's one of the things I note when there is someone who is barren. Um, Sarah was barren, and God gave them a son. He gave them Isaac. Out of death came life. Then with Rachel, you have uh, Isaac and Rachel. Rachel was also childless, we read in Genesis 25, 21. And out of her womb came life with two sons, Esau and Jacob. And God gave Jacob these 12 sons from two wives and two concubines. But with the two wives specifically, if you go back and you read in Genesis, you'll see that both of those wives struggled with infertility at some point. God provides. He gives to his people what they need. Then you get to Joseph, and God gives Joseph dreams, and not just dreams, but the ability to interpret dreams at the same time. And, and what's fascinating to me, I'm, I'm preparing for something I'm preaching through this summer in the life of Joseph. When you get to Joseph's wisdom on what to do with the food, with the seven years of plenty and the seven years of lack, I'm pretty convinced that that came from God putting him in the prison system, him being over the prison system and having to learn how to manage scarcity and resources. Joseph learned um, because God taught him those things that he would use. God gives us life lessons, prepares us for the things that he's calling us to. It's not just Joseph, though. God provides a way for most to Moses to survive the extermination of the Hebrew boys. He provides a way in that basket uh, for him in the river, very reminiscent of Noah, through the waters. Uh, God provides a way. He provides for Israel by sending Moses back to them. Uh, he leads them out of Egypt, and God provides for Israel. He says that you will plunder them. He actually tells Abraham, uh, you know, hundreds of years before this would happen, that your descendants will come out of captivity, and they will, they will take riches. They will plunder the Egyptians, and they do. The Egyptians give them gold and jewels, which is fascinating because that's what they're going to use to create the tabernacle. God provides the things that we need for us to worship. Worship him. Think about that lesson in all of this. And then they keep going through the wilderness and God 
parts the Red Seas. He provides a way. God provided water at Marah where the water was bitter. God provided manna and quail to feed them. God provided water from the rock. God provided leaders and a system for them to worship in and a worship pattern and plans for them. God provides safety and medical help for them in their whole sacrificial system, their cleanliness system, what is clean and what is unclean. That isn't just distinguishing them, but it is caring for their health. Uh, God provides direction for Israel by leading them as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. God provides a way for them to live with him through the sacrificial system. So much grace built into that. God provides protection for Israel as we've seen by them going in front of them and fighting for them. God, uh, finally we see he provides a place for them by giving them the land. God is constantly providing for his people, family. Can I get a witness? God has provided for us. Do you recognize that? Do you ever just sit back and recount the things that God has done for you, the ways that he has provided for you? Um, I've shared this story before, but you might not have heard it. Uh, when Rachel and I moved to California, we had a good friend who came with us, John. And John drove an RV from Jacksonville, Florida to Burbank, California with his two dogs and got to Burbank, California. And we come out, my whole family, just a hug on John, love on John. And uh, when we got to his RV, John said, oh man, I had a hard night last night. The generator in my RV died. And uh, so I have no air conditioning. And I think it was August in California, no air conditioning. So, um, you know, I didn't, I don't have any money. I especially didn't have any money at this season. We liquidated any savings that we had, all, all the retirement that, that I had saved up at that point in my life, which wasn't a lot, which explains why we went through it very quickly. Um, all of that we liquidated to, to get out to California and help launch this church plant. We didn't have any money, like no money. And I just was so convicted. I can't leave this guy and his dogs in this RV. Like, what if they die? What if one of them has a stroke? Like, how in the world am I going to explain that to his mom and dad? Like, I just knew. God told me, I will provide for you. You provide for him. And it was a clarifying moment because I prayed and I said, God, Rachel's going to kill me. And I pray that a lot. Like, there are decisions I make that I'm like, God, is this what you're calling me to do? I need you to help me make sure I don't ruin my family or put put myself in a difficult spot with Rachel. And so John and I go to Lowe's and the cheapest, the cheapest generator they had was $500. And I didn't have any money. And so I put it on the credit card. And we get it back, get it in his thing and go in air conditioning. The dogs look happier. John looks happier. And I go back across the street to our apartment and I stop at the mailbox in large part because I know I got to go in and tell Rachel that I just spent $500 that we don't have. And as I get to my mailbox and I open the mailbox, there's a letter from some good friends of ours. These guys had bought, I think it was an expedition, a Ford expedition used and had sold it like three or four years later and somehow made money on it, like made a profit from what they had originally paid. And they said, we were praying for you guys and God told us to send you this money. It was a check for almost the exact amount to the penny that I had just paid for the generator. 
God had provided. God knew well before John got there that he would need that generator. God provided that miracle for John. Hey, John, if you follow me and you go, I'll make sure you have what you need. God knew what I would need, that, that this would be a struggle for me as a husband, that I've got to provide for my family. And he provided what we needed. Let me let me give you another one because it happened um, just a few days ago, literally a week ago. So last Friday, I was writing the first devotional for this, the one on how God is faithful. And I'm down in the basement writing my devotional out on how we have to trust God because he's faithful. And Rachel comes screaming, running down the stairs. Trey, Trey, he's gone. Rivers is gone. Our baby, our uh, 15, 16-month-old son. The kids open the gate and he's gone. I don't know where he is. So I run up the stairs. We run outside. I'm yelling at my kids. Where did he go? We have a, uh, you can get out the back of the gate or out the side, out the driveway. And the side was open. So I run out and I run down the street and I'm looking in all these houses and I don't see him. I'm looking on the other side of the street and I don't see him. I'm running into that neighbor's garage because it's always open to see if he's in there. And then I run down the street that way. We have neighbors who have a pool and I am panicking because I'm thinking, did he fall in the pool? He's going to drown. Did he get in one of these drain pipes back here? And what if he gets stuck? And Rachel's crying and she's calling 911. And just keep in mind, seconds before this, I mean, I'm running, I'm panicking. I was writing a devotional on trusting God. And so I just, I just stop and I pray and I say, God, please help us find him. And I realized I've gone so far one direction, so far the other direction. If he's beyond that, I got to get in my car and go. And so I came back into the house and I grabbed my car keys. And before I hopped in my truck, I thought, let me make sure he's not around the truck so that God forbid that, you know, I don't run over him somehow. And as I turn uh, to go around to look behind my truck, I see Rivers in the front seat in Rachel's car, his hands on the steering wheel, bouncing up and down, having the time of his life. God provided. He answered my prayer. God, please help us find rivers. Help me to trust you. He provided. This is what he does. We are are so overwhelmed by so many things that we don't recognize. He's given us life. He's given us breath. This very moment right now is a gift from the Lord. And we are so all over the place in life that we don't take time to stop and recognize how good our God is and how much he provides for us. Look back with me at chapter 20. At chapter 20, God provides for them these cities of refuge. And here's what I think he's doing in this, is he is giving them a a rhythm, a a opportunity for mercy and for justice in the land. God is providing for them not just a place to live. You see, not just chapter 20, but let me look ahead a little bit. Chapter 21, he gives space in every single tribe, a place for the Levites. What he's doing in 20 and 21 is he's giving them um, not just land to live in, but land that is directed, built around, centered on him him with them. And that's the same thing that God is doing in our lives. He is so good to us, so gracious to us, to give us so many things that are all designed to point us to him. So here's our book for today. This is a book called The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. I had to read this for a men's ministry uh, deal that I'm a part of here in Louisville. Here's what James says. He says, Jesus reveals a God who does not demand, but who gives who does not oppress, but who raises up, who does not wound, 
but heals, who does not condemn, but forgives. We live in a world where people demand, oppress, wound, and condemn. In our world, we earn what we get, so we project that onto God. It's easy to conceive of a demanding, oppressive, condemning, wounding God who must be appeased, but the God Jesus knows is utterly different. We have a good God, a gracious God who provides for us and ways that we will never know this side of heaven, who cares for us in ways that we cannot even begin to fathom. We're coming right off of Easter where God showed his love for us by sending his son to die for us. He is so good, so generous, so gracious, and so many of us, uh, we just don't take the time to recognize it. My dad wrote a little book a few years ago called The God You're Searching For. Such an encouraging little book if you're looking for something to read. Here is how uh, Dad would say this if he was here with us. If there's one thing we all need to get through our heads and into our hearts about the God we've been searching for, it's this. He truly and deeply wants to bless each one of us with abundant life so that we might enjoy him now and into all of eternity. We need to realize that God wants to bless us. He wants us to know that he loves us and desires for us to know him personally and intimately. He yearns for us to walk in his love and forgiveness and rest in knowledge that he guides us and controls our futures. Maybe today, we just need to stop. We need to thank God for being God, for being good, for being loving, for being merciful, for being compassionate, for being in control of things. When we feel so out of control so often, maybe what Joshua is trying to teach us in 17, 18, 19, and 20 is that our God provides for us. And maybe you need to know that right now because we are in the midst of this time when so many people are losing their jobs, they're losing their health, they're losing their ability to feel like they have any sense of control. Maybe this season in life has been given to us to see that God provides for his people. So here's what I want to challenge you to do today that may be a little different and it may cause us to step outside of our comfort zone. If you have a need, um, you need to let someone know. So maybe you lost your job, maybe, maybe you, um, you can't get out of your house for health reasons and you need help getting groceries. Um, let me ask you to do this. Would you comment in the section below if you have a need? Uh, maybe somebody who's watching this can help meet that need. Um, if you have a need, would you let your local church know? Uh, I know one of the greatest blessings in this season for me has been seeing how Southeast has stepped up, stepped in, and tried to be a presence of grace and, and, and wants to give generously in this time. We have paid for people's mortgages. We've collected uh, food items. We've collected uh, medical uh, equipment. We've done everything we could fed hospital workers. Um, I know Valleydale has done that because mom and dad have shared with me things that they're working on, providing groceries for people. Um, would you lean into your church? Ask your church, are there things that we can do in this season to meet the needs? Um, maybe you're not operating right now from a place of need or fear, but maybe you're operating from a place of abundance. Would you consider being a Joseph? Give. There are so many ministries right now that need your help. Your local church needs you to be faithful and giving. Um, there, there are people around you who need your help. Would you pray about either meeting a need 
or being honest about a need that you have today. And here's the thing. Um, we have a God who knows what you need before you say you need it. We have a God who can meet whatever your need is. Maybe part of the reason we're in this season is because God wants us to be more generous and more open about what we need in order to experience His providence and blessings. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, again, read through these chapters today. If you have questions, post them below. Send them to me. If you have a need or you can meet it, post them below or share it with your church. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you provide for us, that there isn't a single thing that we will need in this life as your children that you will not provide for us. It may not make sense how your timing works. You may provide in ways that are different than what we ask for, but you are a good father who gives and cares for his children. I pray that that would overwhelm us today and it would drive us to operate out of the abundance we have in you and that we would give sacrificially. We would seek for opportunities to love and we would seek for ways to constantly thank you for providing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have a good day and you continue to read along in the book of Joshua and see that God is faithful. Blessings.